Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 30th. What a treat we have for the people today. Nine-time National Finals Rodeo Qualifier and PRCA Cowboy turned NCHA Cutting Horse Trainer from Andrews, Texas, JoJo Lamond sits down with the boys of the Section K Podcast to talk about his rodeo career and what it's like training and getting ready to show some cutting horses. So, Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. <laughs> today's episode is brought to you by Brazos Valley Stallion Station. The roster of stallions at Brazos Valley Stallion Station, located in Stephenville, Texas, is shaping the performance horse world with its unique stallions representing the cutting, cow horse, roping, and barrel racing industries. The skill and experience of the entire staff and the one-of-a-kind facility provide a vital center to ensure your breeding success. For a complete listing of stallions and more information, be sure to visit www.brazosvalleystallionstation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K Podcast, coming to you live once again from the Bronchi Donkey in Witt, Texas. Today I've got Cody Headland and Cody Porterfield with me. We are also joined by a nine-time National Finals Rodeo Qualifier, uh, made the NFR in the team roping as a header four times and uh, five times in the steer roping as well. Jojo Lamond, welcome to the Section K Podcast. How are you today, brother? Good. Thanks for having me. You bet. First and foremost, what has brought you here to Porterfield Performance Horses today? I brought a three-year-old and some two-year-olds down to work this morning with Cody and uh, just trying to get them started on a cow. So cutting horses, is that kind of what you're focusing on and kind of what you came came to uh, work here at Porterfield Performance Horses today? Yes, sir. Uh, I started a few years back. Uh, I wanted to train the aged event horses, and uh, now I've got a three-year-old that I like pretty good and some two-year-olds that I like pretty well that come from a real good friend of mine and Cody's as well, uh, Clay Kearney, Cerny Kearney. Uh, he's a uh, – he's – Another reason why I'm into the cutting horse deal and Cody as well, or trying to get into it, uh, it's just, you know, I really enjoy it and I enjoy the camaraderie of the people that I've met so far. Well, I can vouch for that three-year-old I watched him work today. Um, Porterfield Cantu, nice horse, really good horse, and I think my quote was, you're an idiot if you don't show that horse. So it looks like you're doing a pretty good job with those cutting horses, but first and foremost, I had no idea that you had ties to cutting I've read some articles about you, obviously, being involved with horses in the performance horse industry. We all tune in in December, even if we're at the fraternity, at the World Finals. I know tons of people have the NFR pulled off, pulled up on their cell phone or out in their trailers. And that's how I come uh, to first know who you were, was watching you on TV, listening to Joe Beaver predict what your run was going to be. And I talked yes, to JoJo <laughs> last night, and we blah, 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 blah. So that was kind of my first introduction to you. So... Being a NFR qualifying header, how did you get involved with rodeo? How did you get involved with roping? What what made you want to be a rodeo cowboy? Well, that's the only lifestyle I ever knew. Uh, my grandpa, Floyd Lamont, uh, he roped calves and <clears throat> trained calf horses and sold them. And my dad, he uh, he rodeoed for 19 years and made a living rodeo and then come home and trained calf horses. And then we all started team roping uh, at a young age. You know, they all... I think it was probably 
90 or 91, all my uncles and my dad and my granddad, they started team roping, so uh, I was never big enough to rope kivs. At that time, they roped great big kivs, and uh, so that was out of the question for me until I got older. Uh, and I did wind up roping kivs, but uh, my dad rest his soul. He was a little tough on me in the kiff roping, and I didn't enjoy that part of it. I enjoyed training the kiff horses, and uh, I really liked to train one to stop and get back. And uh, we kind of clashed different beliefs on that. Uh, he had different ways of doing it, and at the time he was the boss of what was going on around there. So uh, back then it was kind of get them tired and get them following something and not rope on them. And I didn't agree with it 100%, so I chose a different route, and I started team roping and decided to take it professionally and it kind of come easy for me of all the things that I'd done as a kid growing up into that uh, my rope handling skills were pretty good and uh, with them trading on horses I rode all kinds of different horses and uh, could pretty much catch on whatever they put me on and I could show the horses for them and that's kind of how my start got it was uh, that's what was important to us and the team ropings had taken off they started doing the numbering system and having the USTRC ropings and so forth uh when i first started it was abc ropings so they had an a group a b group and a c group and there wasn't many people that team roped it was kind of for older people and women and kids like myself and then along came the ustrc and they started doing the classifications and you know beginner guys could come and rope and it denny gentry set the bar high there and it's evolved into what it is now to this day his hands been in it and Everybody else can try to take part of it, but it was his designs and his great ideals that made team roping what it is. It's kind of like the cutting horse world. It's There's a lot of money behind it, and there's a lot of money to be won at all levels. Uh, a lot of great people do it. And so I just didn't think that you could miss out on that opportunity at 11 years old to win what I was winning and, you know, making a pretty good living roping. Uh, it took away from all the work around if we would go win on the weekends at the jackpots and uh, – my dad, he dedicated his life to taking me wherever and however far I had to go. We definitely, I mean, Cody can vouch for this. We definitely didn't have the money to do it. We had to win to go, but it seemed like uh, dad always found a way for us to go, and he always, you know, is always just 100% into taking me anywhere that I wanted to go. So I had a pretty good chance at that, and that's how I got my start team roping. What was one of your memories as a kid that made you, like, for sure, just want to pursue a team roping career and want to head down the road and qualify for the NFR? I, I never really wanted to <clears throat> rodeo that much. Uh, I was always pretty homebound. I wanted to be around my dad. Uh, but I think I was 18 years old. I moved to Terry Walls' place to live with Trent Walls. Um, I was going to rope with him a little bit, and he got me tied in with Trevor. Uh, Trent was probably the biggest uh, leap in my rodeo career at that age. He uh, he taught me the meaning of work. You know, I mean, it, without your dad's hand on you. Uh, so Trent took me under his wing and, and taught me the ropes pretty well. And he got me set up with Trevor, and I got to rope with him uh, part of a year. And uh, I got broke and went home. Uh, like I said, we had absolutely nothing. I mean... We had to win to go, and I just couldn't afford to go rodeo the way that we were rodeoing and not winning as much as we were. So whenever I went home from the time that I roped with Trevor at 18 years old, I think I was uh, 
20, I don't know, maybe 25 or something. I had, I'd had Newt. He was uh, two years old the first year I went. That was 2008. I'd just been home working, riding outside horses, uh, whether it be rope horses or breaking a bunch of colts. Uh, and was newly wedded and a baby and I mean making what I was making wasn't working and my wife influenced me to go back to rodeoing and that's whenever I started heading Uh, just Trevor was probably the only great header that I ever had and he had just started heading Trevor's heading was nowhere where it is now Um, and he'd laugh if he heard this but uh, it, it was I mean we were both beginning and I mean, I was very grateful to get to rope with him at the time. The first year I roped with him was the first year that he won the, uh, his first all-around world championship. And I probably should have made the NFR that year if I could have kept my funds together and been a little smarter about what I was doing. But I was young and pretty naive to everything. I thought there wasn't ever going to be another poor day a couple times. But So without rambling going on, that's kind of – I think once I moved in with Trent and got around Trevor and seen what winning was and what it meant. I mean, I knew I had to win as a kid to get to go, but I didn't know what the actual meaning of winning was and what the big obstacle at the end was, you know. So it was a very great chance for me or opportunity for me to get to be around those two guys. What made you decide to become a header? Was it just Trevor or or was it something else? And um, Because everything, I don't know that much about team roping, but I was always told header makes a healer and the healer makes a doe. So why why do you want to become a header? Well, at, at whenever I was done rodeoing, I walked away from it from eight, 18 years old to however old I was in 2006, actually. I'd been roping at home and riding horses. And I fell in love with the horsemanship of head horses and the, the athleticism of a good head horse. I got to ride some good horses for likes of Jimmy Cooper. Uh, Tom Jones sent me a horse that was unbelievable. Everett Fault. I mean, those are two or three of the horses that I can think of that you could have made a living on at, at any time. And uh, to make that kind of horse that could score like that, that could run the way they could run, you know, hit on their hocks, get a hold of a steer, jump and face, and take it day in, day out. Was It was just passionate for me. That's what I wanted. I wanted to make that next great head horse, and uh, they were few and far between. So I enjoyed heading at home is where the start come from. Now, whenever I decided to go rodeo, I went amateur rodeoing with Martin Lucero and Josh Patton. And... Uh, I mean, we'd have to look back on stats, but I think we went to 10 or 12 rodeos that summer, and I'm not sure that we didn't win every one of them. Every one of them. I was rodeoing then, and it was every one of them. It was, you know, there was a bunch of them that, if if definitely not first, we we got our part of it, and uh, it I didn't have a very good horse at that time, and uh, we had six or seven practice horses that my dad had put together for me when I told him that I wanted a head. And it was free for all and learn how to use your rope and get by on what you have. And then, But knowing the feel of those good horses just lit a fire in me and being in control of the situation. At that time, there was five or six headers that were dominant. You know, one really by the name of Speed Williams that was dominant over everybody else. So I went to studying what made Speed different 
versus from T Woman and Jake Barnes or, you know, the other greats that were out there and then a, then along came another guy named Clay Trine that just lit the world on fire right before then and uh I think that the era that I was in with the likes of Coulter Todd, Derek Begay, uh I mean you can just go on, Luke Brown, Chad Masters come right along in there, you know, all all the guys that are the best that have gone now with without Caleb, he's quite a bit younger than us, Caleb Driggers. I mean he's he's kinda of set the bar high now and Clay Smith, but with those eight or nine guys we all entered at the same time and it just changed the rodeo world tremendous and uh it's just i mean just going back to that uh, man it was awesome but i mean so to throw in on talking about rodeoing and winning i would like for you to tell the story of your first trailer win that actually came from the help of fellow ncha futurity super stakes champion clay johnson could you fill us in on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know all the details exact. I've been so many miles, but I do know that uh, that day I I roped all day and all night, all day, all night, and uh, my horse was wore out. I was, I don't know, I was eleven, maybe, maybe, maybe twelve. I'm not sure, but we were in uh, uh, oh, I can't even think of the town. Uh, either sudan or sundown texas right outside of lubbock where uh fred lucero was living at the time he had a place there and uh it was come down to the wire of buttons howard and i were battling out for the trailer so i was out of horse and my number wouldn't fit in the next opens well clay johnson come up and he said well, why don't you head for me and i can't remember if i headed for anyone else if it was a draw pot what it was but I said, well, I don't have a head horse. And he said, well, you can ride the paint horse. And at that time, Clay, excuse me, probably had the best jackpot head horse going. He was a paint horse. And I want to say he was a red and white paint horse, but I can't, like I said, all the little details. And he wasn't a real big head horse. So he let me ride that horse. And due to that, I won my first trailer because Clay loaned me that horse and let me ride that Before horse. you could actually drive and even pull the trailer. Oh, well, yeah, you probably no, knew was, how to pull the trailer. I was five or six years away from that. But, uh, <laughs> legally. I, I've never forgot that Clay done that for me, and I don't even know if he remembers doing that. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, an awesome deal. And it, it goes to show you what kind of people are involved in the cutting horse world and the rope horse deal, you know. That sums up Clay Johnson to me. Just like you said on the last episode, Porterfield, just the happiest, go luckiest guy on the planet. Um, just a good guy, uh, the best friend you could ever have. But uh, you talked about roping with Martin Lucero in 2008 when you made it for the first time in the team roping as a header. I'd like to get both your and Porterfield's thoughts on uh, Porterfield when you made it to the NCHA Open Futurity Finals for the first time. Just riding into that arena, um, obviously Will Rogers, a fame coliseum, the Thomas and Mac. Everybody knows what that pins like to be in um, on any round during the national finals rodeo. So what do you remember from that first trip to the NFR and driving out to Vegas and just the pressure that went along with making the NFR for the first time as a header? Well, I think it was a 13 or 14 hour trip and my dad and I went together. My wife was teaching school at the time. So dad and I drove out and my wife flew. And I think we turned a 14-hour trip into maybe an 18-hour trip. We used road maps, didn't have GPS or anything. Martin done most of the driving and definitely all the entering. Uh, 
I'll never forget I missed the books at my first national finals rodeo. I told Martin, I said, I haven't entered a rodeo all year. All I ask is that you let me enter the national finals rodeo. So I get a phone call from the PRCA, and they asked me if I was planning on coming to the national finals rodeo. And I said, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely planning on it. Why? What's the problem? They said, well, you missed the books or y'all aren't entered. And I said, well, you can confirm that we'll be there. We might be the first ones there. So anyway, I get my country butt there. And uh, I just kept telling myself that it was a, it's just a rodeo. It's just a rodeo. Don't, don't fall into all the hype of all this. And I go to ride in for the grand entry, and I started crying like a little baby. You know, I, I fulfilled my dream. It was just to make the finals. I had no other goals other than that. When my wife and I set out to do it, I had an old beat-up red pickup and a 16-foot uh, stock trailer with bar tops on it. And her and, you know, my two-year-old baby boy was in the back seat at that time. And... Uh, with 800 bucks in our account, we took off and we made the national finals rodeo the first year, and it changed our life forever. And um, rodeo was great to us. And I know that Martin and I—I I think we went in third or fourth in the world, maybe second or third in the world standings, and we had had a terrible finals. Nothing went right, and didn't win enough, and I don't even know what we finished that year. But it was just a big learning experience and whenever I walked out of there I wasn't going to be defeated like that I was going to go back and I was going to have a good finals so and then along came a little horse called Bull that turned it all around for me. Talk a little bit about Bull um, I think a lot of people that are involved with rodeo will know exactly who you're talking about but for the people that don't know who Bull is uh, kind of tell us a little bit about him. Bull come from a great friend of Cody and I's named JD Logan uh, at that time his wife had him or his father-in-law they uh, they brought him to my house, and his name was actually Bullshit at the time. But he, uh, you can edit that if it ain't allowed. <clears throat> but uh, they brought him to my house to try him, and and he was an idiot in the box. And uh, Ken, JD's father-in-law, was riding him in a ring bit, and he was a little bronky idiot that had an avicular. Uh, he looked like a billy goat or just a strung out coronary steer. He weighed about 900 pounds, and my dad, he just kept shrugging his shoulders and shaking his head at me. And uh, anyways, I run three or four steers on him there at my house, and he bucked on one, and I had a hard time getting him in the box. And this was at the time of the TCRA finals, and Josh Patton and I had made it out there. And I didn't have anything to ride. I asked them if I could take him out there, and they allowed me to take him out there. And uh, I had to get him led in the box every round, and I, we won – two of the three rounds and Josh lost his rope on the last year to win the third round and win the average. We still wound up winning the year end. And I took the horse back to JD and uh, told him I didn't want to mess with him because of the way he was in the box. So we left out and I went to Waco, uh, which is now the All-American deal that they changed. But at the time it was just a regular season rodeo and Martin and I were 3-8 on our first one. And the black horse I was riding, I couldn't get him to the next steer. He just ducked, about cut my hand off. And we were up at San Angelo the next day. So on the way home, I called my dad and I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's no way I can ride this horse. He won't even go around the flagger. He just hits, you know, where the barrier man's standing and ducks. He's terrible. So he had had too much of it. He knew it was coming and he was smart. So my dad said, well, what about that little sorrel horse over there at Goldsmith? So I called JD and the horse that I had, I had another gray horse that's supposed to be a barrel horse. So. I called JD and we made a horse trade and 
I took the gray horse to JD and I picked up Bull and took him from there straight home and run a couple steers on him. The next morning we were up at San Angelo and uh, I rode him in the slack that morning. Martin and I were, I don't know what even what we were on at first. We made a decent run and come back that night in the rodeo and I knew that that horse had never been anywhere like that so I was going to take him down there and ride him around. And at San Angelo, it's a concrete ramp all the way down. They put dirt on it. So I go riding him down to the arena, and about that time, Boyd, he gives the test one-two on the mic, and he wheels around and runs off up the ramp, hits a panel fence up there, falls on me on some concrete. So I had to get him led back down in the arena, and my wife was sitting in the stands, and I'm not going to name any names, but a man that was sitting right behind her, I run that steer. We were four flat and win the second round, done real good in the average, and uh, the guy sitting behind my wife said, man, if that kid ever gets a head horse, he's going to be something. So she told me that whenever she got to the truck, she was upset. And, but anyways, I took that horse and, you know, he, he had tore both of his suspensories on the back end. He tore a deep flexor tendon in the front leg. He was crippled on three legs, and I'm talking crippled. There were several times that I thought that he was supposed to be done. They'd done the avicular surgery on him, all kinds of stuff. And that horse just never quit. He just kept, kept going and kept going. And you'd think that he was dead lame and you'd get on him, and it, his motor was so big and his heart was so big, he'd never take a lame step. Uh, everybody always asked me what kind of drugs I kept him on to keep him going. I told them all, just half a cc of Ace whenever I got there. He was just that kind of horse, you know. He's, I, I'd win, I set a world record on him at Corpus and then beat it at the finals, and then Chad got it right after that. I won Salinas on him, I won second on him at Cheyenne. Uh, just you could go fast or you could score him out a long ways and looking at him you wouldn't pick him out of anything uh, he was super broke could run like nothing I've ever rode before he used his rear end really well faced and Trevor hauled him there for a little while and like he said he was just a winner he let you win no matter where you were how important is it to have a good horse especially when you get to the NFR I mean I feel like that's not something that gets talked about as much especially in the rodeo world you know, the NFR, I think it's the biggest thing ever uh, to have a good horse there. Uh, and anymore, you have to have a good horse anywhere. Uh, but at the finals, you have to have a horse that scores because they're going to get to anticipating it. you got to have a horse that wants to run because they're going to get to anticipating the throw. And you have to have a horse that will drop and come back up the wall anytime and finish and face. Bull was weak coming back because of his size, and they roped such big steers at the finals. Uh, that was about the only place that I could ever hinder that little horse is at the NFR. You know, I thought that he could have been stronger up the wall. But there was never a time that he didn't score and he didn't run, didn't give you the throw that you needed to win. And, uh, you know, looking back on my career, I tried to ride some other ones out there and it didn't work until the gray horse come along that got killed in the car wreck. And it just, I mean, it just never, nothing ever fit except for him out there, and it was his ability of scoring and running and getting to a steer that I think made him special everywhere. And uh, But at the finals, I think a green horse that, that doesn't know it's coming is better, that can take the crowd, and, you know, he's, he's just new to the scene. I think everybody wants to ride their old faithful horses there, and them horses know it's coming, and it costs them a lot of times, and you can see it year in, year out, people that, and get in a trap and can't get by what they're riding. So. 
So in, in 09, you made the finals that year and roped all year with Randon Adams, another guy that has some cutting horse ties, his brother Austin Adams and his other brother Dustin Adams, very uh, involved with the NCHA and very successful in the NCHA. What do you remember specifically about winning round one that year? I assume that was your first uh, round to win there in the Thomas and Mac. How special was that for you? Oh, it was awesome. Randon's one of my best friends in the whole world. I mean, he's like a brother to me. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at without the help of the Adams family. And, uh, yeah, that year I rode a horse I had actually got from Jason, Randon's brother. His name was Hollywood, and I crippled him in the second round. Didn't get to ride him anymore. But uh, Steer went to the right really hard and pushed Randon over there. And uh, I took a Hail Mary shot, and it went on, and Randon got him real fast and made an awesome run. And uh, I don't I don't know if we were five seconds or three seconds or what. It was just a, a awesome run on that steer, and it paid off. And we had a little bit of heck. I always thought Rand and I would win a world championship together, which he did win one uh, 2008, I believe, with Sherwood that year. Or, yeah. And uh, I, I just thought that we were destined to win a gold buckle, and just little bad things happened to us. And uh, it's just – it's the way it is rodeoing. I mean, it's no different than going to a cutting and draw the wrong cow or pick the wrong cow. This happens. What are some of your most memorable 10 days at the NFR? Maybe it was a year, maybe it was just a couple different times, but um, I know that there was one time here recently, or more recently, when uh, you had to step in and, and uh, rope for Jake Barnes. Yeah, that was definitely my most memorable finals. Uh, I broke my collarbone at Pendleton, had to go home. I think I was, I don't know, ninth or tenth in the world standings at the time <clears throat> and wound up getting knocked out 16th in the world standings. And Jake had a horse fall on him and hurt him. You know, I, I told my wife we were – when it, when it happened, I, I had a feeling, I had a gut feeling that I was going to get knocked out. I believe the Minor brothers, they had to win – the Cow Palace and whatever other rodeos there were right there, and I'll be danged if they didn't win every one of them. But I, I just had a feeling and, and, and an ease over me that, you know, it was going to happen. I, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I, I knew that I wasn't going to the finals that year. And I think that God had a, had a plan and he had a reason for what happened. We don't understand it. I didn't understand it at the time. I was in Gale, Texas. I had a place leased. I had 1,250 head of first calf heifers turned out. We had pulled two or 300 head of calves, and it was an ice storm, uh, miserable, cold. I'd sold all my rope horses, didn't have a horse, didn't have anything, and I get a phone call, and it's snowing right straight down, and it's a guy on the phone, and I can't understand him. It was Junior Nagara, and he tells me, you're going to have to go to the finals. Jake got hurt, and I thought that it was somebody messing with me. So it goes on about 10 minutes, and he finally he says, no, I'm not kidding. I'm telling you the truth. You're going to have to go to the national finals. I'll find out more today. He said, but Jake's hurt real bad. So I got on the phone and went to calling around. Sure enough, Jake had been hurt, had a head injury. And I got home, and I talked to my wife, and I said, look, I, I'm not even going to go. I didn't make it. I don't deserve to go. You know, I got hurt at Pendleton. It's the way it is. I'm not going. And uh, she's got a pretty square head on her shoulders and, and realizes things and probably the most faithful and strong Christian person I've ever been around in my life. And uh, she tells me, she says, look, everything happens for a reason. And if you don't go, the 17th guy is going to go. So 
I think you need to load up and go. And at that time, like I said, I didn't have a head horse. I didn't have it. I didn't have a practice horse. I had a four-year-old horse that I was moving cows around on that you could rope on a little bit. That I wound up actually that horse made a good horse. I sold him Chris Francis as a head horse. But uh, so I get on the phone and a good friend of mine, Kent Youngblood, that helped me out a lot when I was a kid and always had good horses. I'd heard through the grapevine that he had a had a really really nice horse. So I call Kent. And I said, I'm gonna need a head horse, I'm going to the finals. So he brings two horses over the night before we have to leave. And if I run one steer, I run 20 on his horses. And it was just as fast as we can go, trying to show him what it was. And the horse that we had picked out for me to ride, uh, I didn't feel comfortable on him. He was a TR dual ray. Uh, he was actually shown in the NCHA. I, I wish I knew what his registered name was and the horse had won a lot of money. But uh, he was too strong, wanted to drop and get out of there. And so he had a gray horse that we called Goose. And uh, he was an awesome horse. Kent rode him at the World Series team roping at the same time I was riding him out there at the national finals. And uh, I had him price me the horses whenever, before I left to go out there. And we actually had them uh, vet checked, and the gray horse failed the vet check, and we made a deal, and I bought the horses right whenever I got home. Uh, that horse was outstanding he went from being ridden by a number four header to to the biggest stage on the field and accepted every challenge uh and by the end of it he got strong and lost my rope and cost junior world championship for sure and i'm pretty sure that it cost me a gold buckle as well but cost me an all-around world championship as well but i it was just i mean it wasn't wasn't my time and I tell you, I went in there in a very humble position that I'd never gone into the finals in. And I was willing and acceptance of that it was God's plan and whatever he wanted to happen was going to happen. And I thought that I probably roped better that year than I'd ever roped. I was calm, collected. I had confidence to be there. And, you know, I hadn't roped since, you know, since Pendleton uh, when my horse fell on me. So, and I went from there to you know just right back in the swing of things was getting along real good and then I got greedy and got to thinking about how I was going to change this and what I was going to do if this happened and that happened and he shut the door on that you know so well what an unbelievable story though coming in you get hurt you're out all these months you get a phone call literally days before the NFL from a guy that hardly speaks English (laughs) yes who's one of the hottest on the track (laughs) yeah and they say, hey, JoJo, I need you to come head. You come in 16th. Hadn't been practicing. I, I remember because I, you've always been one of my heroes. I watched every run. Could you believe that you were sitting there about to win a gold buckle, possibly two, after seven, eight nights of this thing? You and Junior lit the world on fire at the finals. Talk a little about that experience with Junior. Like, what what was that like, showing up, roping with a guy you'd never roped with before, especially a guy who'd just come over here, hot as could be, couldn't barely speak English. Well, Next thing you know, y'all are up for a world title. In my opinion, and it's just opinion, it's kind of like those things we carry around on our backsides. Most of them stink. But <laughs> he, uh, I think he's the best healer that's ever walked on the United States soil. I think that – it don't matter where the cow is, what happens, he's going to catch him. 
he's a great horseman. Um, I just, you know. He's it, flexible. Yeah. I was just in awe that I got to rope with him in the first place. You know, I, I, I always thought that we would do really good together. And then, I mean, it's just a great experience. I mean, there's nothing that I can really say that at this point that that you can't just humble yourself and say, man, what a, what a great deal it was to get to do that. I'm glad that I roped as well as I did for junior's sake, and I hate that I roped as bad as I did for junior's sake in the same sense, or I dallied as bad as I did. The last steer turned his head. And I missed the barrier, and he got away from me. It was a great big steer, and I let my horse drop. I exposed myself to get him caught. He had great big horns, and I exposed myself a little too much, and my horse beat me back. I lost my rope. Like I said, it was, I don't think God had planned for us to win the world <coughs> that year. And, you know, my my absolute best friend in the whole world is Michael Price, and uh, Michael's a number four header, and – he was down at the back end and of the Thomas and Max sitting in the tent, and I come back there, and he'd come up and put his arm around me, and he started laughing. I was just sitting on a bell of hay by myself. just I was so disgusted, and he started laughing, and he said, he said, well, I guess we'll get them next year, and I, I'll never forget it like it was today. I just shook my head and said, no, there won't be another year. You know, I'm, I'm done here, and I was done before this point come. I knew that I was finished. I knew where I wanted to be. I, I knew what I wanted, and it wasn't anything to do with rodeo except for my kids wanted it, and I knew that I wanted to be home with them, and I didn't want to be away from them anymore. Uh, you know, I think part of the reason I wanted to be home was my dad's health and having the babies at home, and they were getting old enough to want to do things and stuff. So, I mean, the experience at the finals opened a lot of – a lot of opportunities for me at the time that I left sitting there because I knew where my heart wanted me to be, so I went home for that. And How I mean, cool I did go that? some the next year just around. Well, I know just because I knew your dad well, and he helped me out a ton, and and uh, I, I can promise you that meant a ton for him. And, and look how cool it is going through your family now because what cool kids and wife, and and now you're cutting um i'm loving it you know it, it's it's kind of funny how things work out my dad he would come down i'm talking about nine o'clock in the morning every day he'd pull up in his car and he'd sit there and he'd watch his rope i mean religiously for if we were home he was behind the head box and he was watching his rope so uh i think the sorrel horse i have is nine years old so say six years ago i started thinking that I wanted to train cutting horses so I start this horse on a cow and uh, I get him locked on a cow and I think well maybe I can do this so then I I chickened out didn't take the horse show him do anything with him so I start a couple others well he'd come down and watch and I'm telling you if they had horse hide on them they were getting cut it on I was going to see if they'd work a cow and I was going to work anything from the neighbor's trail horses to whatever I could get my hands on one day my dad was sitting behind the box and I had one doing pretty good, the bay mare that I was telling you about that I, I think she's pretty special that is now a calf horse. But I rode her back up there to my dad and I said, uh, I said, well, what do you think about that one? He said, mm, looks all right, I guess. And I said, well, what do you mean? 
He said, I'm going to be real honest with you. That's the most boring shit I've ever watched in my life. I can't watch much more of that. But until the day that he passed away, he was there every morning. And it didn't matter if we were working horses or if we were roping. He was right there, and he would say the same thing every day. How do you enjoy that? I said, I, I love it. I want it. He said, it's just too slow for me. I don't like it. And I said, well, I guess that's where the rubber meets the road because I like it, and that's what I want to do. So <laughs> that's kind of a funny story on my dad. You know, he was – if you didn't want to know, you didn't want to ask him because he was going to tell you exactly what he thought. Well, fun. and if y'all would have known his dad, he was there everywhere. E- every road I remember since I was a little kid. In fact, JoJo actually helped me win the World Junior in 1997, the youngest healer. And his dad actually used to give me pointers. And one time we were at a jackpot, and he was like, look, you're trying way too hard. He said, just rope the feet. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) But it's not that easy, Kenny. He said, just put it in front of the steer's feet. Let (laughs) the steer get in it. That's it. Simplest thing in the world. And I'll never forget when he told me that. And I, I just, I remember him always being there, willing to lift a hand to help anybody that wanted help. He, he was and I don't know anybody that doesn't say that about him. Yeah. That was that was his passion. He wanted to teach people how to rope. You know, he he could go on and on and on about the guys that was stopped by and he'd help them with their calf roping. And he was a wizard in the calf roping. Like he he solved the calf roping. Uh, and his heading was pretty good. He could not catch two feet to save his life, but he would tell you exactly how to do it every time. <laughs> and I, I I mean same thing that he told me forever. You know I I can remember being into some high stress situations and thinking man i don't know what i'm gonna do and i'd ask him what what do we, what do you think we need to do he said it's pretty simple you put it in front of the feet and let him walk in it and dally and that was his mentality and i i mean some guys that could really rope brandon on down the list they'd come over and he'd tell them the same thing all you gotta do is put it in front of their feet and they're gonna walk in it if you can't do that you don't need a heel you know it's pretty <laughs> he was pretty cut and dry about that but I kind of got a question for the two of you. Porterfield, you mentioned that JoJo is one of your heroes, and I assume you've gotten some pointers from him back in the day and still to this day, that roping stroke you guys did the other day um, in the roping. And JoJo, what's it mean to you after you helped Porterfield win the World Junior back in the late 90s, and um, now you're bringing your boys, Newton Gunner, here, and you guys are working cutting horses, and heck, Porterfield's even helping you a little bit with your cutting. So what's it like kind of – Switching roles a little bit, and after you, I'm sure, helped Porterfield win a lot of money in his rodeo and roping career, and now uh, he's kind of returning the favor, kind of helping you with the cutting. Well, I, I definitely never helped him as much as he's helping me. I promise you that, or, or helping my boys with them getting to be around. Uh, you know, it, it means a lot for people that are lo- younger than you to say, you know, that in any way at any time that I could have influenced them and I hope that I've influenced people in the correct way because I know that I've been influenced in the wrong way a lot of times and I'm definitely not perfect I promise you that I've got some bad vices that I carry around with me all the time uh temper's one of them and uh a winning attitude's another one I can get pretty sour at times and uh you know it's it's just awesome to get to see somebody like Cody that's so uplifted and and positive about everything that he does that I'm pretty negative on myself and I was raised that way that's how my dad got through to me you tell me that I can't do something I'm gonna prove you wrong 
Um, I, I know that, you know, my buddy Clay and Cody and I were buddies with Clay, and uh, I, I've known Clay for a long time, and Clay's always been just the awesome guy to me. Uh, he allowed me to come down and work some horses with him. I just watched videos, you know, and I never – the only person I ever got to be around was John Tolbert. He come and stayed with me and worked for me for a while. And at that time, he didn't have any horses or anything. And uh, so – and the only thing that he ever told me was keep him inside of a cow. I was working a horse one day, and I said, John, I need your help. I need to know what to do. And he said, well, keep him inside that cow, and you'll be all right. That's all he told me. He said, you'll figure it out. You'll feel it. You're cowboy enough. Just keep him inside the cow. So I used that for a long time, and I got here with Cody, and uh, you know him and and Taryn helped us one day. But Cody, he he opened it up and showed me so much in, in 30 minutes one day out here, and then just kept building off of that. That I mean, he makes you feel like you can conquer the world doing it. And I think that it's really helped my horses, and and definitely my three-year-old horse. You know, getting my feet on them, and you know, I never thought about that. that crud I, I i'm not gonna be able to pick up my hand or do anything i, I can get a horse to watch a cow i've cowboyed enough but actually put my hand down and leave him down and it's been i don't know how long it's been months since i've been here or three weeks or something and i i feel like it's really changed my horses and they've accepted what cody showed me to do with them and i feel like i can get him through a run now to where you know it's not like going and buying someone's show horse or like a certain horse that i've rode that belongs to a certain guy over here to my left that i mean that that horse the, i mean that's phenomenal horse and, Old and handsome he's yeah. worth his weight in gold <laughs> yeah I, I mean you know getting to ride that horse and getting to feel those good horses like that clay has and cody has and then you go back and get on yours like i told cody whenever i get home i'm just going to open up the back door on my trailer and turn them out and get rid of these and start over but it's really changed a lot of stuff on my horses and and on my outlook on things and and you know I just hope that I keep moving forward and when somebody helps you you want to you want to arise you want to you want to accept the challenge of of them helping you you want to get better you don't you know that's one thing I've always done if somebody's willing to stop and talk to me and help me I've always had an open ear and I'm not saying I agree with everything that everybody tells me but I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to be polite. And if it don't work for me, I'll leave it behind. And I've told people that at my schools or people that I'm helping and everything else, you're probably going to feel like I mess you up a whole lot faster than I'm going to help you. But I'm honestly got the intentions of helping you. And that's what I get from Cody. Like, there's there's no secrets. There's no, you know, I'm not getting left out on anything. He's pouring his heart and soul out to me the way that he trains his. And, and I truly appreciate that. And I just... You know, I, I honor anybody that's like that. And with my boys, you know, he's willing to do anything that they want to do. If they want to work one, they, you know, I, my 10-year-old was on a 2-year-old today that's been worked a few times and he's in there chasing Cody's good kids around, just giving them hell in the round pen. But. And I loved it. <laughs> and Every we second are of it. And yeah. be looking out, scholarship cutting. <laughs> <laughs> Little Amon boys and girls are coming to you. <laughs> so – after being a multiple NFR qualifier and uh, I guess one one steer away from potentially winning a gold buckle, what made you want to step into a different realm and, and start riding cutting horses and training cutting horses of your own? Well, I actually always wanted to slide one and turn him around. 
if a sunbuck would turn around, I was going to spin him in the crowd and let everybody see that he'd turn around. If he was going to stop, I was going to slide him for him. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know how you made them or how you got them to that point. So I decided I was – I went and bought a, a son of gunner. I kind of done some research and went to looking at some some breedings that I liked, and I was going to try to train some reining horses. And I bought a son of gunner and a, and a daughter of Wimpy's little step. And after the finals one year, I had some money. And uh, – I went on to to training them horses and and they both rode good and were nice horses. It just didn't fit my style. Uh, I I want a cow in front of me and I want to I want to work a cow. You know I, I hell before anything else I was a cowboy. You know that's or I tried to be in my whole life. I don't know if I'm a very good one, but I always wanted to go work cows or I wanted to ride colts or build fence or shoe a horse, whatever it was. That's what I wanted to do. And the cutting just it just fit in with me. It, it I liked it, uh, and I could watch enough videos and stuff that I could go out and work on some things that I thought might work or might not. And uh, Cody and I talked about this today. I watched, I'd watch all the, the top-end guys on their good horses, and one example or one video that sets out to me was uh, uh, Lloyd Cox on one-time royalty at the NCHA fraternity, and that sucker would run across there and hit his hawks and slide and get back up and come out of it. And, and that's what I wanted mine to do. So, you know, I didn't I didn't know any way or why or reason why that them horses would do that. So I'd just get a get them going across there and get me a big stop and make sure they were coming back across the stop on the other side. And I, I knew nothing about draw or you know anything like that, and just got trying to learn on it. And then Cody went to helping me and Clay and uh, you know Terrence helped and, and stuff like that. And they went to explaining stuff and it just opened up my eyes and I seen it and like well I, now I see why mine are getting screwed up and why those are taking it so uh, just what what's the hardest part about it now that you've got a little farther into this endeavor about the cutting yes sir to slow down and let my horses come you know at a at a time that they need to come on don't try to rush anything you know, I've always rode colts for people or rope horses, and I've had 30 days to get a job done. I can put some stuff on one in 30 days, and uh, <laughs> I think Cody can vouch <laughs> for I can have one ducking and diving around. I don't know if it's going the right way, but I can have him going somewhere. But uh, just to slow down and give them horses an opportunity, you know, it, just like my two-year-olds that I have now, I, I started them in February, and I'm going to get to have them, you know, for up until December of next year. and slowing down let them horses mature and and just being patient and and going through the steps not trying to cut anything out and and i i still i'm still pretty green and i'm not real green i'm damn green and, uh still leave out a bunch of things that i have to come here and let cody or somebody watch and say hey look you're, you need to do this you need to lift shoulder you need to do something and then that gives me something to work on and uh like i told cody i'm i'm pretty coachable i'm just pretty damn dumb so if uh, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to try my hardest to do it. And the the, the hard task for me is, is that, is slowing down and letting them horses lock on and and, and draw and, and stay together, not, not to get outside of where they need to be or not to try to rush anything. I want one locked on a cow pretty soon, and I think we all do. I mean, everybody that's in the cow horse business, whether it's a rain cow horse or a cutter or anything, you don't want to ride something that don't want to, don't want to work a cow 
I mean, I don't care who you are. It's not any fun, even a ranch horse. But if if it's there, just slow down and let it mature on its own. Don't try to rush it. Former team roper, now cutter. Do you also have any other hobbies or uh, business ventures that you're in? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we ranch. Uh, I've got a partner on some cows. We ranch south of Odessa, Midland there. Uh, we run a cow-calf operation, and uh, I actually have a team roping company where we furnish steers for all the local team ropings and uh, go a few places. So we've cut back quite a bit on, on our numbers and where we go. And uh, last year I went to putting a rodeo company together. Uh, we've got bucking horses and bucking bulls and the whole nine yards. we got a full full-fledged rodeo company which the whole COVID-19 deal kind of kicked it in the rear this year but it's been fun and the boys and I got to start that together. Speaking of bucking horses uh <laughs> did you guys I saw a little video that you guys might have tried some of those bucking horses out this afternoon before we had this little podcast. Yeah head on over so, to the Section K Facebook or Instagram page to see those videos. Definitely. So when JoJo got into this, I told him if I couldn't help him, I could introduce him to people that could and that can help him. Taryn Rice, um, Clay Cherney, you know, there's a million guys. But today we might have happened to have a Don Benuelos and Jeffrey Spud Sheehan show up and uh, – they're about as competitive as we are on everything, and that led into <laughs> getting on a couple of broncs at my house here, and what a good time that was. Well, these broncs have been sitting here for a couple of months now. Cody and I have been looking at them, and we've just kind of been wondering when the right time was to buck these suckers out, and little did we know, all we needed was JoJo and Newton Gunner and Adon and Spud to show up and – get some trash talking rolling and next thing we know they're um, running these broncs up the alley and leading them in the chutes and we've got a saddle on them and <laughs> they are horses that have never been touched never been rode never been saddled and they are full grown and uh, they, they are, are big and stout yes <laughs> coming from a guy that owns a rodeo company luckily <laughs> nobody was hurt i don't know it, if it you could buck good. them two off of a saddle horse i, I told jojo when when he looked at me, he's like, are they serious? And I said, oh, yeah, they're serious. I said, if they get on the saddle, you're not bucking them off. I just hope they don't get hurt. No, it was perfect. Couldn't have been better. The Bronx were perfect. They weren't too rank. They weren't too crazy. It was perfect. And I can't wait for us to upload these videos for you all to see. It's good watching. And this escalated in 15 minutes. From yes. shooting a game of pool, we were having a pool game, cooling off from riding and talking and visiting to we're out in the arena loading them in the bucking chutes, and these guys are strapping them on them. That's the camaraderie of the cutting there, JoJo. So you mentioned how fun the cutters were, and you got to see it firsthand today. Um, you and your oldest son, Newt, handled pickup man duty. So yep, I know Gunner was on the back pulling yeah, straps. I know a Don and Spud. We're probably super grateful to have a couple good West Texas Cowboys. Well, Don done a fancy dismount. That was pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah, Newt, he's 14 years old, and I tell everybody he's going on 40. Uh, if you want to go catch cows or do anything cowboy-wise, 
he's he's my my pick. He's it's almost like he thinks like I do, and uh, I'll take them two boys of mine over just about anybody else that I've ever worked with. They uh, they read a cow well. They're they're smart about their horses, and just being raised in it, they you know it's it's pretty neat, and I'm very proud of them too. And Newt picks up at the college and picks up at uh, there at Andrews. They have a practice night there and picks up Bronx and he picked up at our rodeos last year and uh, he just he does a good job and I'm very proud of them and uh, I'm proud of their the the young men that they are too they know when to be quiet and when to talk and just it's pretty pretty impressive definitely cowboys in my opinion yeah I, I can attest to how respectful and just how good at kids they are I only got to spend the whole day today with them but just sitting and visiting with them whether it was talking to Gunner about baseball or talking to Newt about what he's about to do this weekend, going to the BFI and roping in the junior BFI. So obviously that's going to be a little different for you going and caddying of sorts. So what are your thoughts heading into the junior BFI when normally you'd probably be gearing up to go roping that open? Well, Newt has been giving me a hard time all week about entering it. And uh, I had plans of going and roping that, man, it's just, I don't have any desire to do it. And uh, if you're not a, very top of your game you know at that level it's no different than going and trying to trying to win something at the cuttings if you you're not just going to jerk a horse up and go win something as competitive as it's gotten and i just don't care anything about the roping anymore if i get to rope with my boys or a buddy or something like that then uh you know i like it i still like to go rope one out on the road or something if he's out and stuff like that but uh you know going back to to caddy in for them i'd prefer that any day of the week that's that's where my heart's at i mean i would never saddle another horse again if uh if that's what i had to do to get them where they wanted to be and newt's been very blessed here the last three or four months he's won a whole lot of money and he's got you know the taste of victory and uh just it's like i said i'm super proud of him and he's carrying himself well and he's accepting it and He's not being ignorant about it, and I think that he's got great horses and he's got a great opportunity up there, and he's just got to, you know, level off and go rope. What's cool to me about it is growing up younger than you and getting so much help from you and your dad, it's cool now to see me step back and see you being more like your dad, like always there, ready to do whatever for these kids and and anybody um uh it's pretty awesome and i promise you he's smiling down looking on y'all like i'm that's awesome and, and i i appreciate you saying that but uh i'm almost gonna i almost i'm also gonna commend them on i'm talking five o'clock in the morning i don't have any employees that work for me anymore they they're up every morning loping two-year-olds or rope horses or you know my wife saddling unsaddling turning back and the kids are turning back, and they're, I mean, it doesn't matter if one bucks or bad to catch or whatever it is. I know that you know they're gonna they're not gonna back down from it, and they're gonna go go and get the job done. And the same thing working cows or anything. So, I mean, I would love for a pat on the back for that, but they work way harder for me, and they have my whole career. And even now, I mean, they work from five o'clock in the morning until two or three o'clock in the afternoon then newt gets to saddle his horses and gunner gets to saddle his horses and 
and that's when they get to rope. It's not that we go out and rope for them first, and then we go work a few cow horses or go work a few cutters. You know, it's 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 still, you know, it's kind of selfish in, in a way, but uh, it's what we've chose to do to try to make a living. We're gonna we're gonna try to pursue this and and do it. So, as a family, we entered up, and that's what we do. Newt, he's not real fond fond of it. He likes the roping a lot more, but I think that if he got to ride something like you guys own and have to ride, then it would open his eyes for it. Well, he also ropes a little better than us as well. <laughs> so I feel like he's got a straight path where he's headed. Um, but it does. It takes an army um, to do anything successfully. And on that high level, I think rodeo and cutting, cow horse, anything you want to do i i definitely it takes that much work in anything you want to do like you said being with trent walls like that he showed you how to put the work behind it to get where you wanted to go and it's cool to see the steps it took to get there absolutely and i i tell a lot of people all the time they they ask me about it and you know what how do you get to to that level? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I tell them that you pick it at a young age. You you know that's what you pick that you're gonna do. And I I never had a desire to open a book to read to do anything. I had a desire to rope and to to go punch cows or I mean that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a cowboy. You know I wanted I wanted to hit a jig line every morning and get dropped off somewhere and push cows all day. That's not real inviting to a lot of people, but that's what I wanted. Uh, the roping part, I seen that I could win money and do that, and that's what I wanted to do. And and just like training on horses now, I, I can't afford to go buy something like Handsome. I mean, boy, oh, boy, I'd, I'd love to, but I can't afford that kind of horse, so i got to train that kind of horse, or hopefully I get some clients that want to, you know, send some horses that I can try to make like that. But um, everything that we that we do as a family, it's it's no different than looking into young prospect horses. You know, we're pretty open-minded right now, and pretty we try to be accepting and and learn. And you know, you look at two-year-olds or anything else. If if they're not willing to learn and willing to pick it up, then what's the point? In, pushing on with them or going on with them and that's the same way with those boys and myself if if they're not willing to learn or willing to pick up something new or do something then on to the next one yeah so So do you have any comments on the first annual rope and stroke Uh, how many shots do you think you guys would have had to lose that engulfed for clay Cherney and taryn to have a chance in that deal man it was (laughs) it was it was I don't know. It, I don't did, know. That. Did we warn them or did we not, JoJo? Yeah, I think I, Cody warned them pretty good. And there was a lot of trash talk that went on with that. that led up. I mean, it was a month of good trash talking. Month. Yeah, that we. Uh, You'll have that. We butted heads pretty good, and uh, it just. I'm glad it worked out the way it did. That's probably one of my most memorable victories as of right now. That they they got beat i guess no it's it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it and uh it it was a relaxing day and getting to be around those kind of guys and and with cody and getting to play and 
it, it was it was awesome. Uh, I think that they were impressed with our golf game. I, I thought they I, I think they were thought they were just going to run over us, and we kind of we kind of got we always we stayed within ten strokes of them. I mean, and this clay shoots pretty good golf. I mean, it really I, does. I was shocked at how good clay was. Is I was definitely shocked this. after I watched him play the first day that I played with him. I, I yeah, like I'm, he I plays a lot better it. for money than he does. <laughs> just playing. That's a good quality to have as someone yeah. that plays a lot of golf. Great quality to have. Oh no, uh, he 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 could hit the ball. He could putt. I mean, he made some great putts. Uh, he he like putted 30, it from thirty forty feet. Putts oh yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it just wasn't good enough that day. It just. I mean, we that happens. <laughs> Did you guys load up from the golf course and go straight to Barbie, or did y'all come? No, we come we back, straight back home and put our jeans on. <laughs> That's um, so crazy. Loaded our road Porsches and went to the Barbie and and wrote. See, that's just the kind of activities and the kind of match, just trash talking stuff with your buddies that you guys will always remember. Oh um, yeah, I'm just sure. like the Bronc riding match today. Exactly. That, there, there's not going to be people that believe that story whenever I tell them. Uh, I no, mean, there's that's, not. I mean, two cutting horse trainers that are top of the world, uh, in, in my opinion, and, and actually the stats don't lie, they're two of the best the world will ever see training cutting horses. And for <laughs> these guys to be right here in my backyard, literally we shot a game of pool. They got mad. One that, went swimming. Yeah, one one went swimming. It's hot this North Texas. Spud, yeah. Spud Sheehan did ride the horse with wet pants. And borrowed socks. My socks. Yeah. That is very true. And I still don't think my socks were as big as his socks that uh, he had on. Just in case y'all want to know, he does wear stockings. He doesn't wear socks. I've that never is seen so true. socks that long in my life. <laughs> Biggest, longest <laughs> pair of socks I've ever seen on they the They went plumbed to his underwear. <laughs> they went to his underwear. They did. Yeah. I mean, it was like when he took his stocking. pants off, underwear ran to the socks. It was like he had a one piece on. Yeah. I thought he had a onesie on. <laughs> but he did show out in the bronc riding. They both went for 90. It was awesome. Couldn't have been any better. Was, um, what a way to finish the day. Actually, the day's not done. We're about to go rope with our buddy Clay Johnson. Um, they're getting ready for the BFI. That's going to be fun. Speaking of old stories that I've heard being around you guys, and I'm sure you guys could sit here and talk about them all forever. Um, I did hear the story about you roping at, with a kid's rope, and I don't know when the roping was or how old you were, but tell that story. At the World Junior, they, I mean, it's just kind of a, they have a bunch of little jackpot ropings there throughout the week, and at that time at the Pavilion or at the Bill Cody Arena in Amarillo, it was just a hoorah get-together, and I mean, the, our parents would just let us go wild there pretty much and rope, and have fun all week and uh something come up about a kid rope roping with a kid rope i healed one with a kid rope and then i come back well, they, they somebody i can't remember who it was but they bet you back there i think it was dustin rash i do who, believe so yeah. you are correct um, he he bet you some cash that i couldn't catch that you one couldn't with, catch one with that kid rope yeah so i healed one and then turned around and come back and cody guess and i were high call back in the rope and i said well i'll just <laughs> head with it and I headed the steer and went to turn him off, and it broke and slapped me in the back, and knocked all the wind out of me, and 
I'm not sure that I still don't have a big mark across my back from that. Epic so memory to me. You roped like in the actual World Junior Finals? Yes, with, sir. With the kids rope? With the kids rope. Yes, sir. Yeah. Got the brand not- to prove it on my back. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell Tell them the story about you driving home with your dad and the silence that that was that, that evening. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to me a whole lot. Like I said earlier, you know, we had to win to go. And, uh, uh, I mean, the losing wasn't an option. It, I mean, he would just sacrifice everything he had from probably eating lunch every day to, to whatever he had to do for me to get to go rope. And, uh. You just didn't do stupid stuff like that, you know. It was it was not not good. So we get in the pickup to go home. I don't know. We're probably about to Lubbock, and he hadn't said one word to me. Not get in, sit down, shut up, nothing. He's just dead silent driving over there. I'd give him the <clears throat> every once in a while, and he still didn't say nothing. And when Mister, whenever he did start talking. I did a lot of listening. I knew it was time to listen that day. So Yeah, you guys drove through right through Happy, Texas, and he probably wasn't very happy that day. No, he didn't have a lot to say. My my dad, he used to – he tells a story that he was back there behind the box, and uh, I believe it was Mike Thompson, another friend of ours back in the day. He, he said, do you think JoJo can catch with this kid's rope? <laughs> And my dad said, Jojo can rope a mosquito 30 feet away with a 25-foot rope. <laughs> he said, so, yeah, I wouldn't bet against him. Uh, you know, it, like I said earlier, I, my my confidence was never where it should have been in myself, and I always was trying to prove somebody wrong or trying to get attention somehow. And if I can give anybody any advice, be yourself and have confidence in yourself and and just be what God made you to be, and 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 accept that you don't have to do all the other ignorant stuff that I tried to do to become something that I wasn't, you know. And I was a little wild and a little <laughs> a little ignorant a lot of times. So that's they come back to to haunt you later on. All them old stories and the stuff that I would frown on now and probably whoop my boys' rear ends for. I actually done, and I tell them all the time, there's nothing y'all are going to be able to do that I haven't done, so don't try to hide it from me. <laughs> I've been there, and I've done that. That's that's mm. great advice right mm. there, solid advice. Um, JoJo, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day-to-day to join us here at the Bronchi Donkey. <laughs> um, we appreciate it. Best of luck continuing your training with your fraternity horse and your other cutting horse that you have coming up. Uh, best of luck to your son this weekend and really follow the following week at the junior BFI. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you at a, at yes, a cutting sir. here directly. So well, I hope so. And I, I really appreciate you guys having me on here and, uh, it means the world to me. And I appreciate everybody like Cody and you guys for, for the acceptance that I've had into this. And, uh, I just, like I said, I hope I can get it figured out and it pays off one day. Heck yeah. Thanks Jojo. Thanks Jojo. Thank you. What a neat story from the man from Andrews, Texas, a man who essentially ended his rodeo career to be a father and be a husband. So that's pretty awesome to see and even cooler to see that he's now involved with cutting and trying to get to where he's ready to go throw his hand out at an NCHA event. So 
thanks again to Jojo for taking his time coming on the Section K podcast. We greatly appreciate it. That's all we have for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We'll be seeing y'all down the road. Bye.